You're listening to 2, 5, and 10, your source for bullshit-free NHL news, analysis, and insights. Now, here are your hosts, Kevin Naughton and Ben Stewart. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 86 of 2510. Uh, weird little stretch here of we would normally be in the season. Right now, we're not. Starting to get a little bit colder. It definitely feels like hockey season. Benny, what up? How you doing? Nikita Kucherov, yada, yada, yada. Um, I wanted to ask you about your Halloween with the kids. And also, when are you and Stratty? And the boys either coming to New York or we're making plans besides Thanksgiving for something in Boston. Oh, we, we can definitely make plans for any time. Well, the, the Strat Daddy is more than willing to accommodate. <laughs> he just needs to see a 10-day forecast to make sure that there is no snow and he is there. Uh, as for Halloween, Halloween was good. It was very nice to see that there was some sort of a normalcy still there with the kids so everyone who participated thank you uh everyone was socially distanced some people just left out uh bowls on their porch for the kids to take some people got a little bit creative had little shoots coming down from their stoops to dump uh candy into the kids bag so it it was nice it was it was definitely nice is is there going to be a halloween coming up where you're going to dress like uh the gator from the navigators yeah, I actually stole Chomp, so he's in my closet. <laughs> I just want you to be here for when it happens. So Okay, I'll make a deal. I'll come up for a Halloween. I'll get dressed up with you on Halloween if you dress up like Chomps. All right, yeah, deal. Um, I, I could even go to New York. I remember uh, Mr. Murph was telling us when we were uh, patrolling the Upper East Side of, oh, you know, this house over here, there's people usually on this porch, and, you know, they close down these streets so the kids could trick-or-treat. So maybe we'll do a... Uh, Upper East Side Booze Infused Tour. <laughs> I can hit up uh, our friend and see if I can borrow the uh, devil's uniform. Oh, perfect. Yeah, man, make a call. I mean, worst he says is no. So. <laughs> and then stop following. <laughs> yeah, you know, maybe he'll call his ranger buddy, see if uh, you could be the Statue of Liberty like the old uniform. We'll see what happens. Uh, rough. Um, speaking of rough. I know that was a re- really bad segue. Did we want to get into what happened with the Coyotes in their first draft pick, fourth round pick, Mitchell Miller? We can get into him. Um, Mitchell Miller, you want to talk about a different type of scum of the earth. So this kid in eighth grade, especially in a world now where, granted, this was four years ago, 
But right now, bullying is just such a hot topic and just something that you don't do. It's he went out of his way and he was convicted of an eighth grade bullying a black autistic child and they were classmates but what was the official thing he ended up peeing and then giving him making yeah. him eat the thing it's just it, so it's he just ended quite up, sickening he took a push pop him and one of his friends and they took the push pop into the boys bathroom and then wiped it in a urinal and then gave it to the kid um and basically forced him to like lick it and then started laughing at him in front of everybody and they they actually got into a fight with the kid and like kind of beat him up and stuff and uh miller in juvie court was convicted of i don't know what the official charges but he was convicted of something and even the judge then said you are showing no remorse for what you've done and he's never apologized to the family to the kid but he right before the draft he decided it was worth sending a letter to all the teams saying that he's grown so much and helps the community. Yeah, so uh, I read up with this. I actually talked to a scout, and the scout actually told me this. Due to his background and as to how heinous this was, NHL teams took this kid off their board. They were not drafting him. They This was stay away with a 10-foot pole. We're, we're not going near him. And the only thing with me is for the Phoenix Coyotes, for a team who just got in trouble with the draft, with exercising certain kids where they weren't supposed to and ended up getting a second round draft pick taken away from them this year. The fact that they would actually go near this kid in a situation where they were already having some trouble, that's worrisome to me. Like I know they're in the, they were in the middle of a GM change and everything else, but to still follow through and pick this kid is crazy, especially since people called to do background checks on it or follow up with them, and they just said the same thing you did where there was no remorse from this kid. There was no I'm sorry to the person. And I don't want to say psychopath, but the kid's a psychopath. <laughs> like, um, yeah, and then the other thing is the Coyotes, uh, their CEO, was just selected last month to the NHL's committee to stop racism. And then they spend their first pick on a kid who bullied a, a black kid with uh, developmental disabilities. So just goes to show you, I guess, where, you know, the old saying, you put your money where your mouth is, but apparently not when it comes to draft picks. Yeah, apparently not. Uh, so after that, the Coyotes have now denounced this draft pick and then two days after that uh he is now off of the north dakota hockey team for me right now it, it doesn't seem like there's anywhere for this kid to go and play hockey outside of the khl because i don't see anyone here taking him well that's the thing i mean listen it's bad what he did um like he obviously hasn't learned his lesson because one he was felt like he was still above any repercussion. That's why he didn't feel remorse or apologize. He only apologized when he was concerned about his draft stock. So, like, I mean, he's an 18-year-old kid. He's going to have to learn. This is a very, very humbling experience for him. But I, I don't feel good 
about the thought of this 18-year-old kid's career is just fucking ruined because of what he did as a 14-year-old. Like, what he did was terrible, but I don't know. The other thing with the Coyotes renouncing the pick, they knew what they were getting into when they made the pick, and they even made a point of saying, you know, we're a team and an organization that believes in diversity, and that also includes the diversity of giving a second chance. And then they renounce the pick. Either don't make the pick and get yourself into this bad PR, or stick to your fucking guns when you know, listen, guys, we're going to make this pick, we're going to deal with some pushback, some blowback, where we're going to have to work through it and stick together because we believe this kid, that he's going to turn it around, whatever. So they basically did the worst of both scenarios. They chose him and then didn't stick with their decision. I know, instantly, once as they pushed back, he didn't even stick with it. And for the kid, don't get me wrong, we have all made some piss-poor decisions at a young age. Yeah. Especially in elementary school, because they said this happened in eighth grade. But when I mean, you, I chose to be a Jets fan when I was in elementary school, so there you go. Yeah, but it's like, when you go to the point of picking on a kid with developmental issues... There's a yeah, difference. You're, you're a little it's, bitch. You, you know that you can't do it to anybody else. It's not like it was like me and you were having a fucking prank <laughs> war and we went too far. Like, yeah, he went after a kid that could Couldn't not defend himself. Yeah. And to me, that's the point of that's too much. And yeah, for him to never apologize, even to be in fucking juvenile court and still couldn't apologize to the person. That's. That's a psychopath. And you got to think about the NHL has given second chances and third chances and fourth chances to players, executives, coaches that have done a lot of terrible shit. Like you look at the NHL was about to reinstate Slava Voinov, of all people. And teams were interested in trading for his rights from the LA Kings. But what he did is a not going to get a second chance and that's all you need to know about kind of the disruption of his behavior to his career that the nhl is like yeah listen we're going to pass on that like that's how how far from i guess contention in terms of having a legitimate nhl career now don't get me wrong both of us have seen this before it could be five years from now the pr dies down he goes to europe or the khl he puts himself on a map as a 22, 23-year-old, quote-unquote, one of the best players not in the NHL. And the team goes, listen, we'll deal with the blowback, but he's talented and he can help us win. And we'll see if get money. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, for North Dakota to go through and just completely kick him off the hockey team makes a lot because that North Dakota hockey team, very good hockey team. That's the only thing in the state there. Like that whole city and state, you know, comes around this hockey team. And now the next part is, uh, with North Dakota kicking him off, he was a scholarship athlete. He was a freshman with that. Once as you give somebody a scholarship, you have to abide by it for freshman year. So no matter what, North Dakota has to pay for this kid to be in school for at least freshman year, even though he's not on the team. So I think on that end, you know what, maybe they kicked him off the team for now, but maybe there's a chance next year that he's coming back. Like maybe he has to do 
a lot of community service. Maybe there's something that he has to do specifically for the team to bring him back with open arms, but that is yet to be seen. Yeah, I think it's going to be... I don't think he's going to be back on a team at North Dakota. It's going to be like a Baker Mayfield situation. He's going to transfer to like a a JUCO or like a D3, D2 school, show that he's turned it around, that he shows remorse, that he's learned his lesson, and then maybe he'll be able to transfer for like his junior or senior year back to a more reputable hockey program and then re-enter the draft or just sign as a free agent somewhere for an organization's prospect pool. Yeah, I think the free agent thing is probably the best bet on his end. Yeah. But uh, getting away from just kind of the heinous, despicable act, uh, the All-Star Game and the Winter Classic have both been canceled this year. Obviously, still very stricken here in this pandemic with COVID. But do you really think the NHL is losing much with the All-Star Game? Like, I feel like the Winter Classic is a big thing for them to lose. I kind of feel like the All-Star Game lately has just been so watered down anyways that the players aren't really missing anything. Yeah, I think when it comes in terms of the all-star game, it's more so just a league event and whatever host city gets a little bump in recognition and a kind of a applause from the rest of the teams and everything for being good hosts. And there's a little bump to the local economy, maybe not as, Obviously not as much as a Winter Classic or a Super Bowl or anything else like that. But in terms of gameplay, not we're not losing much. Um, canceling the Winter Classic has to suck and really annoy Bettman because that's his crown jewel of like the last 5-10 years. But looking at the larger picture, those things are canceled. They're basically leaning towards a January 1st or early Jan- January start date. And one, that's obviously open for change again. But let's say they do kick off in January. There's no way there's going to be fans in attendance. And they're not going to be doing full-on bubbles because they can't have 31 teams in bubbles and the players aren't going to sign up for even a 50-game season doing that and playoff following and being away from their families and attesting and everything else. So you're looking at if they start in January, they're probably going to want to do a shortened season like it's a lockout, like they did a few years ago. I think it was like 48 games. They're probably going to do around that just to have the playoffs hopefully end, quote-unquote, on time in mid to late June and then have the following season start on time. But my question for you is, Are there? do you think that there are teams that are in jeopardy financially of being in really bad situations because there's no gate receipts if there's no way there's going to be fans in attendance next year even if they get a produce the vaccine in january it's going to take months until it's widely distributed so do you cancel the season and then the league pays back the national tv contracts for the year do do you play without fans and then just have to bail out the the teams like i don't know what they're going to how they're going to handle that well uh, first and foremost if the season is starting in January or December, however they're breaking it down, I think that the NHL is missing a huge market here with the Winter Classic, whether there's people there or not. I think that this is just one of those things where they can get national spotlight 
And if there's not going to be anybody in the building, take whatever you can get. And to me, I just think that they're missing something there. Like, I I just think Minnesota is a huge market for them to corner an outdoor game. It's probably going to snow just because it's Minnesota. Like, get as many eyes on this as you possibly can. As for your question as to what's actually going to happen with the gate receipts and things like that, I don't know. That that was why the salary cap didn't move. I, yeah. I don't know why or how the NHL is going to be able to sustain this just because they already have that share at the top to carry those lower-end teams like Florida. And granted, the All-Star game got canceled this year. Where was it going to be? South Beach. So it's one of those things of they definitely could have used the income in the sense of selling that building out, getting more people down there, you know, the best players in the game. Maybe that building would finally see a sellout. But <laughs> no, I, I I have no idea as to what the NHL is going to do here. I know the big markets will still sell T-shirts. They'll still sell jerseys. They will not be doing community relations. I, I don't see any way how they're going to be putting their players at risk here and in the public eye outside of just what you see on TV. So yeah, yeah, I I don't know what they're going to do with those gate revenues. And then just up here in Boston, for example, I mean, Jeremy Jacobs makes his killings off of the concession stands. And without that, that's a huge void for a lot of these teams of not being able to fill their pockets. So I'm not really too sure going forward as to this year the salary cap did not go up is it going to go up next year i mean probably not no, if there's no too. i was going to say that for no gate revenue it's hard to say if the salary cap's going to go up so i i just think that there's a whole bunch of things that are on the table here that can affect this league for the next couple of years yeah because if there's no so the cap is flat for this coming season the cap is flat for the following season, and then a hope was that it would kind of go back to normal and might be a little bump for the following year. But John Davidson, the Rangers president, was on uh, the radio last week, I believe it was, and he's saying that the Rangers, an original six team in one of the largest TV market in the league, is preparing for a flat cap or a decrease in the cap for the next four seasons. That's how they're planning their budgets and their cap projections. So that includes this year and next year and then two more on top of that. So that just tells you how deep this might cut and how long it might last for teams. Um, And I know, listen, nobody's going to be crying any tears for these owners who, even without gate revenue, they're still multimillionaires and in some cases billionaires. But they run it like a business. And if these teams are not making their money, they're not going to obviously like fold, but there's going to be severe cuts. You'll see a team like Florida or Columbus or Ottawa, especially looking and saying, listen, let's take Ottawa. For example, they're going to have to start signing some RFAs. Are they going to be willing to just dish out that cash basically out of pocket? Or are they going to say, listen, we're not, I'm not campaigning that move them. And then that cuts back down a team like Ottawa who would technically, hopefully by that point be on a rise. And now they go back to the bottom again that's unfortunate too like for a team like ottawa who's 
currently on the rise. Like, yeah, that it puts them in a tough spot. Um, fuck, man, it, it's it's just crazy to think because a lot of those RFAs that they do have are. are supposed to be getting paid like brady kachuk's at the end of an rfa deal he should be getting paid money like his brother i mean not, maybe not as much as matt but i mean he's due for a big raise and how do you tell someone that well maybe after this is gone you might get something but we still don't know if it's gone yet yeah i mean i know they still have to figure out their cap situation but tampa might have lucked out in the sense of out of all the years to have an issue where you have three highly sought-after RFAs hit their offseason unsigned is the offseason when basically no team owner wants to give out the type of cash it would take to sign an RFA like a Sorelli or a Sergachev. So Tampa Bay basically has all this extended time to figure out the cap situation without having to worry about a team like Detroit or whatever coming in with a huge offer like the uh, contract that Philly gave Shea Weber back in the day that Nashville was stuck matching. Yeah, I mean, Tampa yet again falling into a pool of shit and coming out still like roses. <laughs> um, the other thing that I wanted to bring up in terms of next year and shortened season and COVID is Canada doesn't seem like they're going to be opening up their border anytime soon, especially until there's a widely distributed and used vaccine in the U.S. and Canada. So with that being said, if there is a season next year that starts on time or starts at any time, it sounds like the NHL is going to go with an all-Canadian division because those teams can't cross the border back and forth, back and forth, playing teams here in the States. So I was looking at what those what the divisions would look like and how that would impact playoff races because that can all Canadian division. Woof. You would have Ottawa. Obviously these teams, Ottawa, Winnipeg, Edmonton, Calgary, Montreal, Vancouver, and Toronto. Out of those teams, you have Toronto, maybe Calgary, Vancouver, that would be playoff teams in normal times. Now they're almost guaranteed a playoff spot. That means that all other three divisions that would form, there's going to be a good team that doesn't make it because they don't have the benefit of playing in that Canadian division. So besides the Canadian division, the other one I wanted to highlight was the Atlantic or Northeast division, whatever they would call it. This would be the easiest division to play in. You have New Jersey, the Rangers and the Islanders, Philly, Washington, Boston, Buffalo, and Pittsburgh. That's your travel. I mean, the travel sounds pretty good, but the division yeah. sounds like a fucking nightmare. <laughs> I know, dude. Like, the worst team in that division is what? The Sabres? And they're not, like, lottery level. Yeah. The Devils? Like, they're not a pushover that much either. I mean, they're rebuilding still, but that's a brutal division. And then Detroit, Chicago, Florida, Columbus, Nashville, St. Louis, Carolina, and Tampa would be, like, a central division. And that's the division. We were talking about this before we recorded Talk about getting dicked over in terms of travel for some of these teams. Yeah, well, I mean, you jump outside and you go down to what would be, quote-unquote, the West. Minnesota's now flying two time zones to go to that West Coast. <laughs> yeah, 
And then in the Canadian division, you said this earlier too, Vancouver has to play Toronto and Montreal regularly. Yeah, I was going to say, so they're legitimately flying three time zones and going cross-country every time. And then this is the other part too where the NHL in the past has discussed being greener and doing things more efficiently. I mean, if you're going to do things more efficiently and you're going to send guys out this way, send them out this way and then start the road trip coming back. Like... Montreal, Toronto, Ottawa, keep coming, Winnipeg, Calgary, Edmonton, back in Vancouver. Like, if you're going to do it, at least do it efficiently and effectively where if guys are going to be on the road, they're not just going to fly to Montreal for a game. Yeah. You know, keep, keep them out there. So, yeah, it might be like a barnstorm. They play Ottawa, Toronto, Montreal for like two weeks straight before flying home. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think that they have to find a better way to do it if they're going to keep that all-Canadian division and the borders closed. Like, there just has to be a better way for a team like Vancouver. That That's all I'm saying. That They have to find a better way. I wonder if they do like a modified bubble where they have in like Toronto, Vancouver, Edmonton, uh, let's say Chicago or something like that, and instead of having all the teams there at one time, all playing their season, and everybody's there for 50-plus games plus playoffs, let's say Boston flies to Columbus, is there for two weeks, they play two weeks' worth of their schedule, and then they go back to Boston, they stay isolated, but they're at least home, and they're practicing whatever, they get tested, and then they're home for a week or two, and then they fly back to Columbus, play more games, something like that. Yeah, I mean, I I honestly see that that could possibly be a scenario. I I know they actually said something like that earlier as to partial bubbles. Just They said they could never do again what they did in the playoffs unless it's the playoffs. Like, that's the only way guys are going to stay there. So maybe that is the way of just kind of they're in, they're out, they fly private, they go home. The only thing with me is a quarantine or an isolation every time these guys come back, there's going to have to be a way that these guys are still skating and they're still going to the room every day, whether it's video or something just to keep these guys prepared. Like, I just don't know how they could do a two on, two off, two on. Like, there just has to be some sort of way for them to nail it down to make it a little bit easier. Yeah, and the other thing is you see it in the NFL. Almost every day in the news you see two players from the Cardinals have tested positive, four players from the Giants. Like, and that's with open travel. They're traveling I know on private planes, but they're traveling to away games, they're hosting teams, and they're being tested regularly, but there's there's still COVID leaking in. And the NFL lucks out because they only play once a week. If you have a positive test on Monday, that guy and that team could play by next Sunday. The NHL, if there's if they start having teams flying around and playing each other and you know Pittsburgh goes into the locker room in Philly and one of the guys in Pittsburgh and Rangers come in after Pittsburgh and then the Rangers get it. I think worst comes to worst, I don't know how they can justify just an open traveling schedule like that and trying to be COVID safe, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, I think the other thing too, at least with hockey, is when the guys originally went to that bubble for the playoffs, 
no one expected it to be as rough and tumble as it was. No one thought guys were going to be fighting and getting it on as like normal business hours. People were expecting something different. I think once you get these guys on the ice, yeah, it's going to be tough to contain something if someone gives you a chop on the back of the legs. Oh, no, you can't fight them. Oh, the fuck yeah. we can't. <laughs> like, and <laughs> Now, random question for you. You brought up the NFL part and how they only play one day a week. What if the NHL semi-adopted that, but obviously they have a schedule they need to attend to. What if they only played two games a week, just so that way it's a little bit more spread out? Maybe if it was a Tuesday and a Saturday. Those were the only two game, two days that the NHL could play during the week. Yeah, so if that's two games a week, that's... Let's say they play a a 50-game season. So they would need 25 weeks to finish the regular season. That's, what, six months? So if they start in January, you're in June just to end a regular season, and then you have two months of playoffs, that's into August. So still better than kind of where they ended this year, but probably over where they want. I mean, it's not a bad idea. I'm sure they're kicking that around just to give time for testing and isolations and everything else. Because now there's one other random thing, too, that just popped into my head that you brought it up with testings and isolations. What about the AHL? What about if guys get hurt and now you're calling guys up from the AHL? I mean, Mm. for for example, I mean, the Bruins have it pretty good with Providence being right there. I mean, a guy can just drive up as long as he was negative on his test. He's good. But now if you're flying cross-country, is this a test before you're at the airport now a test when you land on the other end. Now quarantine. Like, I just wonder how that part of it would go for other teams. Yeah. The, the issue is really all these sports leagues, like the NHL and NBA especially, since they play in arenas and not outdoors like baseball and football, they've probably figured, listen, when this started happening and they shut down in March and they were trying to figure out if it was safe to come back and how to do so and they figured out the bubble system and they're like, let's just finish this year. I guarantee you they thought that there would be a better system in place, there'd be better testing, better strategy, better treatment, something that would allow them to have some semblance of a normal season the following this following season possibly having some fans in attendance. I guarantee you they were banking on that. And then all these months later, we're back to square one in the sense of this no change in terms of strategy on a national level. And with the spiking cases, the NHL and NBA are probably looking at this like, motherfucker. I mean, on a grand scheme of things, in a grand scheme of things, the NHL being pissed because they might not be able to start on time or they have to go to a bubble is like, number 2,000 on a totem pole. But, yeah, they probably had to think that something would have changed between March or April when they shut down and November. And and here we are. Yeah, here we are. (laughs) Fuck. (laughs) Um, Anything else on this week we need to touch on? I think that's it. I know, you know, we had so... Since our last recording, a couple free agent moves. Uh, I don't know if you want to go into Krug leaving Boston and kind of where that leaves your defensive depth chart, especially with Charon signed, and also 
Um, you know, with Pasta and Marchand, like Hoffman's still available. I don't know if you want to get into any of that, but other than that, I think we're good on the NHL, like the league-wide level. You know what? Why don't we do this? Uh, we we both know we're we apologize. There's a little bit of connectivity issues today, and it's on both ends. It's not just my mic or Ben's mic. We were we were battling through it, but we can definitely hear it a little bit. So we do apologize for that. Let, let's save the good stuff for for next week for the next episode. Give some a little bit to uh, come back to in a sense. You know <laughs> when things are quiet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that sounds good. I know. Yeah, like you said, there's some choppiness here or there. So hopefully that probably helped us, to be honest, helped us sound even smarter. But um, <laughs> yeah, like you know, what? no wonder why you couldn't understand it because you couldn't comprehend it. That's why. <laughs> um, yeah, that sounds good to me. I do have one today in NHL history. Uh, just to get this out before we go, way back in 1978, Wayne Gretzky becomes a member of the Edmonton Oilers of the WHA in a trade with the Indianapolis Racers. The racers were struggling struggling financially, and the owner, Sil Gretzky, who was then 17, year, 17 years old to the Edmonton Oilers. The Oilers are among the four WHA teams that were absorbed by the NHL in the no, summer of 1979 and retained Gretzky in that decision, and the rest is history. Well, um, two quick things, just because you brought up the Oilers. One is, uh, well, let me rephrase this. Two quick things just in the NHL in general. One of them, well, both are regarding people who have passed away. This one mm. specifically to the Oilers, Joey Moss, there yeah. forever. You hear the great stories. And then the other one, near and dear to my heart, Travis Roy, uh, yeah. passed away with complications to paralysis, paralysis, not due to COVID, which I was shocked that I did not see that somewhere pushed across the bottom of a screen. Um Travis, what a guy. I mean, the one guy who legitimately something awful happened to him. Like, he was living his dream. He was a freshman at BU, and 11 seconds into his first shift, goes in there on just an awkward play more than anything. He goes to hit the guy, kind of bounces off headfirst into the boards, and then that's it. Yeah. And I remember when we would always start our hockey season. We would always play at Walter Brown because our rink was closed for another two weeks and then we would finally open up. So the first two weeks of our year, we would always open up at BU and just being in that corner, man, it just, it always gave me goosebumps just being over there, just seeing it. But for meeting Travis and dealing with Travis, a guy that outside of his wheelchair, man, he just, he had it mentally and he was going to do anything he could to help other people that ended up being his position. And the amount of money he was able to raise and that he was able to do for the wheelchair community. I mean, the world lost a good one, man. Yeah. Even here in New York, uh, playing high school hockey, everybody knew who he was, knew what happened, knew his story. So, uh, it was nice to see the, you know, the admiration and the respect that kind of came out from all around the hockey world when the news broke. But, definitely a big loss for the for everybody in the hockey community do you have any uh shout outs this week uh i was just going to give a shout out to our friend our fellow lcrhl alum eric puglia uh just a shout out to him really quick he has a uh design business actually uh he hooked me up with a hoodie for the winter just in time it arrived before 
my balls started freezing here in New York City, so I just wanted to give him a shout-out and props for doing his thing. What the fuck, Puglia? Maybe you could have put our shit on something and we wouldn't have to go through our whole other little website thing. Uh, yeah, I, I'll connect him. Maybe you can become a sponsor. Unbelievable. Fuck, man. <laughs> all, all this, this money pit we're dumping money into when he's just living the good life, you know? <laughs> like, think think about us. Sorry, sorry I'm not a superstar hockey player in your superstar roller hockey league, Puglia. <laughs> Superstar goalie, baby. Uh, what a what a life. Uh, <laughs> everybody, as always, thank you for listening. Like we said, we apologize for a little bit of technical difficulty on this one. But nonetheless, we will be back next week touching all sorts of stuff throughout the National Hockey League and going from there. Everybody, thank you. We'll see you then. Smoking blunts was a daily routine since 13. A chubby nigga on the scene. I used to have the trade deuce and the deuce deuce in my bubble goose. Now I got the Mac in my knapsack, lounging black, smoking sacks up and axe and sidekicks with my sidekicks, rocking slide kicks. Honey's wanna chat, but all we wanna know is where the party at. And can I bring my jack? If not, I hope I don't get shot. Better throw my vest on my chest, cause niggas is a mess. It don't take nothing but front for me to start something. Bugging and bucking at niggas like I was duck hunting. Dumbing out just me and my crew, cause all we wanna do is. Daisy's song was on, and the day.